Well, it's one of those nights where I'm up again late, mainly because I know I forgot to do something yesterday, which was record my podcast. Well, I didn't really forget. I was kind of waiting. Friday, I talked about having sponsors and and I wanted to kind of go a little bit deeper and talk about something a little bit more personal to me. Um, Today is actually the actual day, September 13th. 2020 um, and there is a double feature today because today is the 12 year anniversary of my father passing and so today I wanted to create something that was a little bit more of a tribute to him I uh, reshared this on my Facebook page today and it was um, kind of like the story of getting that phone call that something was wrong with my dad, hopping in my car and getting from my apartment, getting to my, from my apartment to my childhood home and um, not really knowing what was about to happen. I thought maybe something had happened. Maybe he was sick, but he was in fact passed on. And as I was driving there, my friend Erica, who celebrated her birthday today, September 12th, um, called me and she let me know that uh, Michael Reitzer was already there. He's a deacon at our church. Probably one of the most incredible people that I've ever met in my life. Uh, someone who I love dearly because he was just sitfully following the voice of God when he saw an ambulance turning into our neighborhood and decided to do something that nobody really does. He followed an ambulance. When he realized it was, follow- it was coming to our house, <laughs> he just knew what he needed to do and he was there with my brother and sister when the paramedics uh, the paramedics told them that my father was not coming back um, so a little bit about my dad he was born in 1948 um, and was a pretty amazing person he um, went through a lot in his childhood and into his teenagehood he became a little bit of a, a rebel because he was a preacher's kid. Ha <laughs> ha. Much like uh, somebody else I know. <clears throat> um, I didn't re- I, I didn't become much of a rebel until after I was 30. And then I was like, screw what people think. And uh, the fact that I am actually recording this podcast really means that I really don't care. Like, I want people to listen to the podcast. But the fact that I'm even putting things out in public like this is just totally um, interesting to me. Anyway, my father at the age of, as a matter of fact, a (laughs) a friend on social media, Patricia House, recently posted a picture of my dad in his choir robe. He was, I knew that he directed a choir when he was 19 years old. So my musical talent actually comes from both my parents, my mother uh, sang, and my father did as well. And he went through a lot. My dad was probably before, you know, Till and Roof or any of these other kids, idiots that have uh, brought a weapon into a church. My father brought a weapon to a church with the full intention of killing someone, but a church mother stopped him. That's nothing but God. He also had a... Um, really incredible career as a nurse. He 
worked as a licensed vocational nurse. So he had the title of LVN and he enjoyed caring for people. The cool thing about having a licensed vocational nurse in the home is that many times we'd get sick and we really didn't have to go to the doctor because dad could pretty much figure out what to do. Um, one time I sliced my, my, my calf open. I was throwing out some garbage and there was a pickle jar in there. Now he blamed himself for that because he's the one who thought maybe I should double bag that after he dropped the glass and the pickles broke, but it shattered and he put it in the trash bag and I got an attitude because I had to throw out the trash instead of my brother. And then I cut myself when I threw the bag and the bag sliced my, my calf. So my dad um, put bandages around me, put me in the car, went to the local, I think it was Eckert's at the time. It wasn't a CVS. He went to the local Eckert's, <laughs> ran inside, got some butterfly stitches and fixed me right up. I had butterfly stitches and he kept rebandaging me. Um, I th- was 17 when I got a hairline fracture fracture in my uh in my foot my dad took me to the doctor the doctor of course told him hairline fracture my dad was like I know exactly what to do keep it elevated my dad like babied us when we were sick and even to the point where I was about 24 this was the year before my mom passed I was living in my own apartment I had the flu really bad And it was so bad that my dad was like, you know what? Let me take you to the emergency room. So dad not only took me to the emergency room, he actually brought me back home, brought me soup. And in my apartment, baked me cookies because he made cookies for me when I was little and I got sick. Yeah, my father was quite the caring man. Um, he, He loved to be around other people. He loved to be a father to the fatherless. And I know a lot of people have great memories of him and love him so much. And what is remarkable to me about him is that he, although he never got to walk me and my sister down the aisle for, uh, weddings, um, he, he walked several other people down the aisle. So that's kind of a beautiful thing about him. He was that guy. He was that stand-in dad and but yet still managed to still be my full-time dad. Um there for everyone, but still there for us. Um a lot of people think that it takes uh and even this is a lesson for me that it takes money to show children that you love them. My dad wasn't the wealthiest man in the world, but he would on the occasion buy us candy and Dr Pepper. Um, (laughs) that was our thing, but just time spent. Sometimes the best thing in the world was just knowing that you were the one that got to ride home with dad in his truck. You know, sometimes those were the best things. I just want to go hang out with my dad. Um, he was very spoiled. We gave him foot massages, but we also got him into getting pedicures because we got tired doing the foot massages. (laughs) Um, but he was severely heartbroken after my mom passed. And for those who don't know, the tragic story goes that my mother passed in May of 2017 and that my dad 
shortly thereafter in September 2018. Barely 15 months apart did they pass. My dad was severely heartbroken. Um, Because he had been a medical professional, he would always say, you know, I should have seen it. I should have seen the signs. I knew the signs. I could see it. And I should have said something. I should have kept, kept bugging her to go and get it checked out, but I didn't. And, um, he didn't really, he didn't really handle those 15 months well. And he wasn't caring for his body the way that he should. And both he and my mother died way too young. So to be honest, sometimes I fear that I might lose myself too early too. So what I do is try to do my best to take care of my body not resting right now it's probably not a good thing but I did sleep for about two hours and woke up and now I'm up so I'm recording this podcast about my dad who I love there is a picture of my father and I on my refrigerator I found this picture my friend Veronica sent to me on Facebook and I wound up getting it um, magnetized I just had it printed at CBS on a magnet this picture of my dad and I at the bowling alley And just the way that he's hugging me in the picture is just us. It is pretty much a symbol of our relationship. My dad gave the best hugs. A lot of people know that um, he gave the best hugs. And as a result, I, I don't know. I have like this super affectionate attitude. But I don't always get hugs when I need them. So sometimes, you know, that lack of human interaction, especially in a year like 2020, it it can cause a person to get a little sad. So today I'm a little sad. I'm very emotional. I miss my father. And I'm just, at the same time, super happy because it's been 12 years and we have survived it. We have grown our family, my brother, my sister, and I. We all have children. My brother has two. My sister has one that looks just like him. I have the Munchkinella, Sharon, and named her after my mother. My dad would have loved that. Um, And these kids are like these little reflections of them. Sometimes I dream that my parents are still alive and that we're doing stuff with them and the kids together, which is so surreal because I wake up and it's like, that was so real. The dream was so real. It it was so real that it was like a memory, right? And uh, I really sometimes wish that we had that. You know, I get jealous of some of you. You've got your parents still with you. You can reach out to mom and dad for help. I'm in a completely different city. I cannot reach out to mom and dad for help. Um, you can, you know, get them to watch your kids or they'll go and hang out or something like that. I don't have that. My brother and sister and I don't have that. We are super um, responsible for our kids. I won't even say protective my kid is out in the middle of the, you know, when they were small, when Sharon was small, when my brother and his kids, they're pretty small. 
they'll say, you know, the kids are crying and we apologize for the kid crying. It's like, they're kids. Let them cry. We try to handle it and and manage it our own, our own selves, you know. Um, We don't really have that extra backup. So if anything that you hear today, if you have your parents still alive, treasure them. Every time someone asks, tell me, you know, what would you tell your 18-year-old self? It's always you don't have much time. If you could go back in time and tell your your 18-year-old self one thing, what would it be? You don't have much time with your parents. You don't have much time. Spend every moment you possibly can with them. Um, I'm going to end it with this story. Um, about two months before my mom passed away, she was going to um, Tarleton State University to... Uh, see someone graduate, a friend of ours graduate, and she called me and was like, can you go to the store and get some snacks for me? And I'm like, what? So I was like, yeah, sure. I went to the store, picked up a couple of things for her, brought it to the house. It was in my own apartment. So, you know, went to the, went to the house and walked into the door and my mom was getting ready. She was in the bathroom doing her thing. And I came in and She's like, can you scratch my back? So I'm scratching her back. I'm taking care of her. And my dad walks in. He's like, hey, when you're done with her, can you uh, shave my head? And my mom looks at him and she goes, so jealous. And he was like, huh? She's like, she came over here to help me out. Now you want her to help you out. (laughs) And my dad was like, excuse me. And my mom looks back at my dad and she says, you know what? That's the one thing that I absolutely adore about you. The way that you love your kids. They come into the house and you, you dote on them. You, you want to spend time with them. And my dad smiled and then he got the razor, of course. And then he went into my old bathroom after my mom got herself together And I shaved his head and then I went home. And that's like one of my last like real memories of the two of them together. But it's also one of the last things that I ever heard my mom say about my father. So um, I'm a lucky girl. I, I grew up with a father that was not only just present in the home, but he was present in my life. And um, as I like to say... My name is Charlotte Donald, and I am a recovering daddy's girl. It's been 12 years, and uh, every year, I will say this, it does get easier as time goes by, but it has been a lot of time. So if you're out there and you're grieving the loss of a loved one, whether it be a father, mother, brother, sister, child... I want you to know that it can get better. The feeling that you have in your heart will get better. That syndrome when you wake up in the morning and your mind reminds you that everything is not the same, that that person is no longer in your life, that will eventually go away. And when it does, as C.C. Winans would say, that morning you'll awake And you'll find that one last tear. 
and you will begin to heal.